The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com. Hey there, my friends, and welcome back to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. Our guest on the podcast today is Matt Lilly. Now, Matt is a serial entrepreneur in the real estate, healthcare, and education space. He's currently focused on bringing business leaders together to use business as a catalyst for positive change in the world. And he's also the host of the incredibly successful Next Level Business podcast. Now, I met Matt recently when I went on to his podcast, and I can tell you we had such an interesting conversation. Not to mention just some plain old fun that I wanted to invite him here to share his infectious energy with you. Now, Matt is someone you really want to know. He wildly understates his success, so don't let him fool you. This guy is a mover and a shaker in a few different industries, a very successful businessman, and he will often be found telling his wife he is a big deal. (laughs) But seriously, he's truly committed to finding ways to lift others up and use business to have a greater impact. He takes a stand for a world where everyone can contribute the gifts that they have. And in today's conversation, you're also going to hear some very personal revelations from Matt as he describes his business journey from zero to hero and back again. He's not afraid to get down and dirty with stuff you don't often hear successful leaders talk about in public forums. He shares in depth about his dark night of the soul, how it affected him personally and what he learned to help himself break through to begin to find his way back to life again. You'll hear how this deeply traumatic experience changed him. You'll hear him talk about his turning points and how everything changed for him. He now speaks about his purpose as continually emerging and evolving. And I'm going to tell you, it was so inspirational just listening to Matt being so honest and vulnerable. I think there's a lesson for every leader here. And what's refreshing is he doesn't negate the money in business either, as he says he wants to make a lot of money. In fact, he wants a private electric jet because he knows that purpose and profit are not mutually exclusive. Anyway, that's enough from me. I invite you to listen in for yourself. I am thrilled to introduce you to my new friend, Matt Lilly. Hey, Matt, welcome to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. Jane, thank you so much for having me on. I've been looking forward to it. I know it's going to be an interesting and and uh, it'll be an interesting conversation. <laughs> now, that made me a little bit nervous the way you just stopped there. <laughs> it's like you were going to say something, but not I quite. just let it be. I just, yeah, let's just let it be. We'll start where we start. (laughs) 
Okay, my friend. Well, um, you know, our listeners have just heard your professional bio. And here's the thing. I always like to kind of go beneath the surface of that with my guests. So I'd love to kind of get you to speak in your own words about the real life human that lies behind that bio. Who is he? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Um, if I had the answer, my life would probably be farther along. The I think the real life human is just a real life human. No matter what bio we read, you know, I, I and anyway, I think we're gonna we're gonna get into this shortly. But it, a bio is some accomplishments on a piece of paper, and then there's the real life. I think everybody who is you know everybody who has any type of bio realizes that there's a ton of work that goes into a lot of that, and a lot of it's luck, and that and that we still have real issues and we're still real people and we still fall down and we still make mistakes and we still say things that we shouldn't, which I'm probably going to do on this podcast today. There's just, you know, it's, we're, it's just real, right? So no matter what the red, what the resume or what the pedigree is, everybody's just still a human being, being a human being and doing the best, hopefully the best we can with what we have. So, um, so I just start there. Okay. So, you know, you did a. Re- you should have been a politician, Matt. Yeah, that I did. was a really a great, great job way. of deflecting, didn't you I? You did. You did yeah. a really great job of deflecting. So I'm going to ask you to kind of come back. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about how you got to where you are today. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Um. Uh. How did I get to where? Where am I at today? Is a great question. I think. Um. Uh. So how did I get to where I am at today? I think I have been very good at being a learner in my life. Um, and then I, I take knowledge and I implement it. So I am not one who, uh, studies for the sake of studying. I do love to read. I do love to watch documentaries. I love to talk to people. I love uh, Wikipedia. I should probably pay for that, that subscription, the $2 he wants, because I read Wikipedia a lot. I've never contributed shame on me. Um, so if he's listening, just let me know where I need to send the money, but the, You know, the thing I think I've always been good at is not being afraid to be ignorant, if that makes sense. Mm. I've been, and when I say ignorance, ignorance is the lack of of knowledge, is the lack of understanding. And so I have always set in a a role of, if I want to learn it, rather than just reading it from a book or now looking stuff up online back back in the day, but we didn't have online. um, You know, I would literally just call people and sometimes people weigh up the food chain And I would just ask if I could go to lunch, if I could come meet with them, if I could talk with them, I had this question for them. And, and, you know, I have found that the high majority of people always said, yes, I very rarely got anybody. I mean, I can think of maybe if I've made that call 50 times, maybe I've had it, somebody turn me down once or twice and they did it politely. They just didn't know who I was. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's been the key to, to my growth, but the key to my business success is never being able, never pretending like I am the smartest person in the room. I've never had that. Even sometimes when I am, I'm, I, I mean, in, the, in that subject or in that topic, I may have more knowledge than everybody else. I typically sat in the seat of um, how do I, what am I learning here? How do I learn faster? Who do I need to learn that from? And then taking that and doing something with it. It's one thing to just listen to somebody and think, Oh, okay. That's, but I actually then implement and, and what, and what I was reading a book the other day, they said, Oh, it was Napoleon Hill. Think and grow rich. Cause I'm rereading that for the first time after 25 years. And it was like, no plans are ever going to be complete. You get, 
50 percent if it's 50 percent you go and then you figure out the other 50 percent on the on the road because it's always going to morph and change and too out too often i think i see people get locked down in analysis paralysis i don't have my website up i don't have my business cards i don't have my letterhead i don't have my blah 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 i used to call that running copies um, when I was doing some sales early on in my career, it was like we would go to the back then Kinko's or wherever, and we'd go make copies because we didn't actually want to go out and talk to customers. So we go get our presentation put together, right? And so I, I just, you, knowledge is worthless. It's just, it's an inert thing unless you can put it into action. And so I think I've always been, one, I never presupposed that I was smarter than ever, anybody else because I wasn't. And then I would take whatever knowledge I learned and then I would just go implement it and experiment with it. It's never going to be a hundred percent right, but just experiment. Man, I do talk a lot when I'm the guest. Usually I, I'm the host. So if if ever you need me just to pipe down, just like wink twice, especially if you're listening to us on podcasts and nobody will ever know, but um, just let me know, just signal, just do a little hint or like rub the side of your face and I'll be like, okay, shut up now. Okay, fine. So <clears throat> what I love about what you're sharing here is something that we talk about a lot at Sacred Changemakers, which we call the golden ratio, which is, mm. I mean, you're talking about something that is really important, I think, in business, which yes, the lifelong learning journey, which we see as one side of the golden ratio, which is kind of consumption. Mm -hmm. So how much right. are you consuming to keep yourself at the edge, you know, the cutting edge of, you know, everything that's kind of evolving because as we know, the marketplace evolves so fast and mm -hmm. even human growth and neuroscience and you know, our own personal growth and development is evolving mm -hmm. so fast right now. So mm -hmm. what are you doing there? How are you consuming that? How are you taking that in? How are you staying at, you know, kind of so that you can develop your thought leadership in the space? Right. But there are a lot of people that get stuck there because they just go to courses and conference after conference. And and, and that's why right. we call it the golden ratio, because on the other side of that coin is, is your production. Like, how mm -hmm. are you taking what you're learning and then producing from it so that you're then sharing right. and making an impact with your community and your audience? And what I heard you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you've got a really good balance there of, of consuming and learning and then taking that knowledge and actually, you know, creating value for people, you know, who you serve. Mm -hmm. And 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 I will give myself that much credit. I do think that, you know, I I I. I think like most people, I lean a little bit too in, in too much the analysis and thinking about, okay, I need to do this and this. I think I'm getting better at implementing, but yes, that has been something. I, I Early on in my career, I was a realtor. And so I represented you know buyers and sellers selling houses, but I just went out and found the most successful realtors in my market. And I just asked if I could take them to lunch because I, I understand that every business, every industry, doesn't matter what you do for a living, you have certain words and certain phrases and certain jargon that you use only for your industry that nobody else would understand if they've never right. been in your industry. And so if I wanted to be a good real estate agent, then I needed to go learn the vernacular. I needed to learn the language of what successful realtors say and how they act and how they present and what do they say to clients and how do you get clients? And so for me, it was not learning it from a book or some paid course that was back then and probably on tape um, that they sent you the cassettes. It was literally um, what, it, and that's how I actually became successful in, in real estate um, brokerage very quickly um, was that I went and worked for somebody basically in a kind of a mentor mentee relationship. I worked for a gentleman who was the most successful gentleman in my market. He sold 350 houses, basically a house a day. And so wow. I went to him and said, 
you know, at the time I said, Hey, I, I think I'd like to work for you. And he kind of told me all the things that he wouldn't allow me to do. Cause he had people to do that. Cause he had a system, but he would allow me basically to cold call builders at the time. I said, okay, this, this, everybody else, all these other brokerages are giving me better percentages and promising me this or this. I said, can you show me how to make 50,000 a year? Cause to me, that was a lot. That was a, a goal of mine from like school. Can, can you show me? And he said, oh yeah, I can show you how to make 50,000 a year. And he didn't lie to me. He did show me how to make 50. In fact, I think I made a hundred that first year, just because I learned from somebody who was already doing the deal. Mm. Right. It wasn't that I was trying to figure it all out. And I think that's, you know, that's been another, I, I guess, a blessing in my life is I, I usually have surrounded myself or found really good mentors or peers or people that I, that I knew that I, if I wanted to go to the next level, if I wanted to learn this new thing, then I, I saw people out that were doing that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like, you know, that's great advice because it's such a shortcut when you find someone who's walked the path before you to actually start to learn like the real tangible practical knowledge that you need, not just the theories and the tools and all that kind of stuff, but actually somebody who's actually doing it. You know, I think that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, our conversation title for today is From Zero to Hero and Back Again. So, Yay, that's a great title. That should be my book. I should write a book, Zero to Hero. You totally should. You totally should. Yes, that's my book cover. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, that sounds like quite a ride, my friend. (laughs) It, It is and still is. We're not off the ride. We're still on the ride. And hopefully I'll be on the ride until the very, very end, until I draw all my last breath, I hope I'm on that same, or I'm, I hope I'm on the ride of life. But, you know, I, I had built, you know, I started out in a small Midwestern town in Kansas and didn't have any business background. There was nobody in my town that really had business stuff. Everybody were farmers or school teachers or, you know, that type of thing. There was no really business. There was no commerce like that, even though there was a little bit, it really wasn't like, you know, business business. And so I wasn't around it, but I moved to Wichita, which was kind of the biggest city in our thing. And, and eventually, and, and as I got into business, I became successful at it because I was good at helping people get what they wanted. And, and, and basically, and mostly in real estate, but real estate led into development, which led into medical, which led into all kinds of other businesses. Um, and so I kind of had this zero to hero. So I kind of went from no net worth to having a net worth, actually having you know banking relationships and doing adult things and, you know, having mortgages and cars and, you know, uh, now a wife and kids. And so I kind of re- rode that, uh, rode that cycle and, and I had investors that invested in my stuff and, you know, always was kind of the hero because I was helping people make money and paying dividends. And, and then, and and I know everybody says this, I'm even sick of saying the word COVID, but then COVID hit and my world did change. I went Mm -hmm. from having an income to having no income in May of 2020. I, I was the chairman of the board of the healthcare company that I founded with two other partners and our board, which was now made up of more than just the three of us, voted to to suspend distributions, which meant suspend what I had been living on for the last 15 years. And so literally with a stroke of a pen, I went from having an income to having no income. And so that was kind of an eye-opener because we had to do it for the health of our company. We were, we're in the skilled nursing business. We're in the nursing home business. We were in the front lines of COVID. We were literally where people were dying every day. And so we knew to save our business, we had to do what we had to do. 
Um, but, and that's kind of where the zero. So then I have investors that aren't very as happy over time. And I have a health or a fitness facility, 34,000 square foot fitness facility that I had to close for two months that I reopened and then had to close again because financially it just wasn't going to work. And so just lots and lots of financial, uh, stuff. And I, my sense of my, I'd always been kind of this facade. I had this facade of being the successful business guy, right? Mm. Matt, Matt knows how to make money and Matt knows how to put deals together. And Matt knows how to work with doctors and do healthcare and get his name in the business journal and get his name on the front page of the local paper. And you can Google him. And I was like, why don't I have my own Wikipedia page? And <laughs> right. So I was just, I was just, I was, as I like to tell my wife, I'm kind of a big deal. And so I was, I was in my own way, kind of a big deal. And, you know, our, our population of our city is about half a million people. So in the half a million people that we lived in, I knew most of the people that were the movers and shakers because I associated with them. Right. And, you know, and I was still a small fish among the movers and shakers, but still I knew who they were and they knew who I was. So, so all that was happening and then COVID and, and then my, you know, my reputation kind of was in question, at least, especially in my head, there Every, you know, everything kind of started collapsing underneath me. And my identity was so, so tied to that image of success and that image of um, being the golden boy or the golden guy who everything, the Midas touch, everything I touched, everybody made money on and I made money on. And it was just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so my identity was so tied to it that when it crumbled and crashed, it was extremely painful. And so that's mm -hmm. the zero kind of the the, the, the zero to hero and back again. And, and now I'm back in kind of the cycle of rebuilding someday. I'm going to be back to the hero, Jane. And, and I, <laughs> I can see it from here, but, um, but definitely there was the questioning of everything. So the questioning of identity, the questioning of self, the questioning of, um, you know, the uh, imposter syndrome is whatever, or imposter, whatever, you know, I've heard it called. So, uh, there was, I literally had discounted all my knowledge and all of my education through life down to, uh, it actually went negative. Like it didn't go to zero. It actually was in negative numbers. I actually saw it as a detriment. Mm -hmm. I actually saw the things that I knew how to do uh, weren't good. Right. And so, and so it was, it was a real, there was probably a good solid year, two years, two years, probably a really hard turmoil where things were financially falling apart. Um, I was falling apart internally. Uh, I, you know, I, I was, uh, when I got COVID, I was thankful because mm -hmm. it meant that I had to have an excuse not to talk to anybody for two weeks. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. So it got pretty dire and it got pretty dark. Um, and, uh, you know, I had, I'd always, I'd, done some spiritual stuff and personal development, like probably many of the people listening to the show. And, and, and I'd always heard of the dark night of the soul. I just didn't realize that it wasn't really a day. It was right. really more like two years, right? right? It was like the dark night of the soul. It was like groundhog day, the movie for the dark night of the soul. It was like every day, wake up, same shit, different day, right? It was like, nope, still feel shitty. <laughs> nope. Still feel worthless. Nope. Still. And it was, it was, it was, it was, I, it was just the kind of the stripping away from the, the, the ego. And it was the untangling of the ego with maybe the authentic self, you know, you're smarter than I am when it comes to these clinical type terms, but I'm sure you could <laughs> diagnose me at some point. 
this is a therapy session. That's why I came on the show. But, but ultimately it was kind of this, it was, it was watching a lot of the stuff that I had always feared come to fruition. Um, you know, and I'd always heard, you know, whatever you're afraid of will eventually, you know, that's what you will show up. And it did. And then being able to just kind of be in that fear and be with it to the point of just letting go enough of it that you could see that you don't have to be your fears. And you, you know, I didn't have to be my fears. I didn't have to, I didn't have to run anymore from, you know, I didn't, I stopped caring what people really thought about me um, other than the people that loved me, like my wife and my kids um, and, and my close friends. But I didn't, you know, if somebody wanted to make some shit up about something in the business and at one point, you know, I had Swiss bank accounts, apparently. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> do you think I'd still be living in Wichita, Kansas, like under this cloud of financial <laughs> shit if I had Swiss bank accounts? And it wouldn't be in Swiss, it'd be in the Caymans because that's where I'd be living, right? And so there, you know, but I honestly, it was, I didn't even defend it because I was just like, I just laughed. I was like, I don't even care that you think I have, you know, I said, no, I don't. <laughs> but um, so, you know, it, it was just some of that stuff. And, it, and so for me, I'm now at the stage that I was at, I told my wife the other day, it feels like I'm 22 years old, 22, 23 years old. And I'm starting out learning again because I'm learning uh, a new way. I'm starting to learn a new way of doing business. And I'll pause here for a breath so that Jane, you can talk. Thank you. You're thank welcome. you. But my goodness. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I just want to thank you for being openly vulnerable in the way you've just been, sure, because yeah. this is not a conversation that is often heard about in business. You know, leaders still kind of hide behind their identity yeah. and the, the kind of persona that we create for ourselves, our personal leadership brand, if you like, and don't right, often right. come out and speak quite so openly as you have. So I really want to thank you for that, Matt, because yeah. I know there'll be people out there that might still be mm -hmm. in the dark night of the soul. Yep. And when you right. were there, I know you'll know this because I've been in my own and it can uh -huh. feel so isolating so yeah, lonely totally. to be there so just <laughs> the very fact that people know that you know you're not alone there are other people that have not only been where you are but have been where you are for an extended period of time mm -hmm. and have right. still come out the other way so here's my question my question mm -hmm. is what did you learn from all of that i mean what insights when you look back now what insights do mm -hmm. you take away from from that time um Okay, I'll answer that question. I want to step back one to one comment that you made, though, because um, mm -hmm. you said there may be people out there that um, that are still in that space, and that really struck me, struck a chord in me. And so I want to say, yes, if you're listening currently and you're going through the shit, and you know what I mean when I say going through the shit, if you're in it and it's dark and you're lonely and you're afraid and for whatever reason, and you and you and this dark night of the soul term uh resonates with you let this voice be the voice that pierces through the veil of darkness and tells you that it's going to be okay you're going to make it this isn't the end of your road this isn't the end of your journey this isn't the end of your life this isn't the end of your story you're just in the darkness and in the hero's journey you will be the hero again and i know that in my heart and in my soul you just got to hang on long enough to see the light again so i just want to make sure that i that i say that because 
at my lowest point, a friend called me at 1030 at night and was that voice in the darkness for me. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure that I, I don't, uh, that's, I don't, uh, let that be light because it isn't light. I truly know that, that that's a real thing. And so the learning for me, um, through that, thank you for allowing me to digress a little there, Mm -hmm. but the, the learning for me is that there is, there is light at the other side of that darkness. Um, it also helped me see that who I am in this uh, reality isn't all that I am, right? There is an eternal soul, there is an eternal being that, that is operating in this shell that we call mat, this, you know, this skin and bones, this bag of bones uh, this, um, that we call mat walking around. And, and I'm not sure, I'm not uh, uh, fully integrated with that higher self or that soul that I have. Um, but I, I'm more aware of it and I'm more in tune with it. And for me, it allowed me to, uh, have a closer relationship with God. It ha- allowed me to have a, a, a more real grounded. I was pissed at God most of that time mm. for the shit that I was going through. Um, and it allowed me to be real with that, um, which was challenging. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think, what did I learn from that? I think what did I experience through that was that, uh, you know, there, there's these moments in time where we have to go through stuff and there's no way around it. Mm. There's no, you know, you can't uh, uh, trying to get around. It's just prolonging it. Um, which I did. I prolonged my own pain by just continuing to avoid suffering versus the suffering itself. And so, you know, how can I be more proactive in my awareness, in my integration, in my humility? I mean, the the one big lesson for me, I, I think I've always been, had a, had a want to connect with people at a very real level. Um, but my humility today is, uh, even though I'm a big deal, my humility today is much greater um, because it's more authentic because I've got my ass kicked enough for a long enough period of time that I realize that everything I have is a blessing from God. And I'm truly blessed to have the wife I have and the kids I have. And I still have problems. I still have challenges. I still have, you know, every day I'm screwing up in some way that I need to apologize for. That's not, you know, it's not that I'm not a real boy. I am a real boy, but I definitely feel this um, underlying sense of connectedness with something bigger and more purposeful, which I call God. And I want to have more of a relationship with that. Right. It's like, now it feels I am, I, uh, the, the driving force inside me is how do I serve that versus how do I be a servant of, of humanity? How do I be a servant of God? How do I serve others versus how do I protect my image? How do I protect my ego? And how do I get other people to think I'm important so that they won't kill me? Right. I mean, it's tribal, right? I mean, if I'm significant to people, then they won't want to eliminate me from their life. And then there's a subprimal or a primal thing that says that means they'll protect me when the bad guys come, you know, when the bad guys come, they'll be on my tribe and we'll band together and kill the bad guys and I won't be left alone. Right. So there's some primal stuff in there too, but I now realize that the bad guys aren't going to come kill me. And so <laughs> it's about how do I, how do I serve others and how do I be in community with others now um, in a way that's 
that's uh, that's more authentic. And how does that reconcile with like your approach to business? Because very often we think of like this deeper meaning, this this you know what you're talking about in terms of community being mm-hmm. more authentic. We kind of we culturally we have a way of kind of putting that as the polarity against kind of full mm-hmm. profit and business at the other side. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder how do you reconcile those those two aspects like of yourself and, and what are you kind of mm-hmm. going to do with that in terms of business and career going forward? And so for me, everything that I'm doing currently is a magnet to help other people be in proximity to people that have a deeper connection with, I'm just going to say God, I'm not meaning to offend anybody here, Mm -hmm. but I'm just going to say God, Um, because there's a certain resonance and a certain vibration. We've all been around people who we just feel good being around and they're just grounded and they're centered and they have a, a relationship with this higher power, with a God that, that gives them a different way of being. Like I have some mentors now that I just purposely have sought out that have that grace, mm-hmm. right? That when I'm with them, I just feel like I feel good about myself. I feel like I'm sitting with God to some degree. I feel like, wow, right. I, this is person's adjusted. I'm not that person, but there's people out there that are generally just kind people, right? <laughs> and so, but I'm aspiring, right? At least I'm, I'm back into that learner mode. I'm back into that. I know I'm ignorant in certain ways. And so, so for me, anything I do in business, and there's some scriptural stuff to back this up, but anything I'm doing in business right now, I I do want to make money. I let's not, I'm not going to kid myself. I want a full-time private plane. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) I I just, it's really nice way to travel. And I'm not going to pretend like it's not, and I'm not going to downplay. I do want an electric. I mean, I've flown on a lot of private planes. I have, I'm not going to lie. And, but I, and I would like an electric, they're building some electric private planes and I do want one. And that is one of my goals. I don't need the biggest house. I don't need the fastest. My car is 10 years old, but I do. There's something about traveling on a private plane. that's just sweet. (laughs) It's just nice. I'll be honest. I'm not going to lie and pretend like that. That's not part of my personality. It is. And it's not even about being wealthy. It's just so much nicer not to have to wait in the lines. Um, so it's for me, it's an efficiency thing, but, um, but every, and even that has an attractive property. I realize that all the blessings and all the gifts and all the back to the kind of the resume that you talked about at the very beginning, all that stuff ha- is a magnet for others who want that stuff. And so if I can use that, whatever tools I've been given, whatever good things and bad things in my life that I have been given, if I can use that as a force for good to channel grace, to channel God, to channel positivity, to channel love into that person's life, then that's the win for me. So the win has changed, right? Before it may have been, I want to win because I want to feel safe and I want to be able to keep this shell of armor and I want to be able to people to think I'm really cool and blah, 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 to, I still want people to think I'm cool, but I want them to think I'm cool because they're able to tap into something or I inspire something in them that lets that allows them to lead a better life, a more mm-hmm. purposeful life. Right. And right. so that's, that has changed. And, 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 and if, if you want me to, I've got more around that. So I grew up, you know, I'm 51. I grew up in the seventies and the, and the eighties. And back then they called them the Mercedes eighties, right? Everybody <laughs> had a Mercedes that was wealthy and rich, the Mercedes eighties. And so my mind in business, at one time, I really tried to emulate Hugh Hefner, which is not a great role model for <laughs> if you if there's younger people on the on the podcast, do not Google that. If you don't know who that is, just allow it to be there. 
But at one point, I thought that that would be really cool if I led this Hugh Hefner like life and I was single till I was 43. So I did a damn good job of trying to emulate that. And so, or 42, maybe. Um, and so, <laughs> so I, I, I was, you know, smoked the cigars and played golf and, and, you know, went on trips with other wealthy people and, or, you know, at, yeah, they were wealthy. And so I, I, I did all this stuff and it was all about competition. It was how do you crush the competition and how do you outdo your competitor and how do you win? And, you know, I, especially when I had, a, I eventually grew that into a real estate company and had all these agents and it was like, how do we become number four in the market? How do we become number three in the market? How do we do more transactions? How do we attract more buyers? How do we attract more? It was all this competition, competition, competition. And that just stayed, I mean, even through right up until COVID, that just stayed in my brain of this competitive nature, right? Crush the enemy. And then through COVID, it, it, when I lost a lot of the stuff, it kind of, I had to open my eyes and, and see, okay, what I was doing isn't going to work like it used to. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm sure in a lot of markets and a lot of segments for, for the next couple of decades, some of that methodology will still work. You can still crush your competition. You can do all that. But I just saw that the, the collaboration, the model of, of commerce as a collaboration is so much more powerful. And it's honestly so much more fun to collaborate on projects, mm -hmm. to collaborate for commerce, to collaborate for good. And then it's really an exchange of you know, if I'm providing enough value, then people naturally are going to want to pay me for that value. And I'm creating value in their lives. Um, and which I, you know, I kind of was along the way, but it's really now connecting the dots of saying, yeah, I, I'm going to, to ask this for this service or this, whatever I'm offering, because I know that the person who receives is going to receive tenfold that in value. They're, they're going to be able to 10x that or whatever, you know, or at least double whatever, whatever education value I can impart to them. They're going to use that maybe financially, but maybe in other areas of their life. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's where, that's where my brain is shifting. So I'm really back into this learner mode in a lot of ways, tactically. I mean, some of it's just collaboration itself, but a lot of it's just tactics. How do I market in this new, how do I market through social media? How do I build how, what's a funnel? Hell, I didn't even know what, I mean, a funnel to me a year ago was something I used to put oil in my car. Right. <laughs> um, you know, how do I, how do I, how do I collaborate with others? Because the collaboration adds value. It adds value in a couple ways. It adds value to the end user. And it also adds financial value to the entity in which it's providing the value. Right. And so for me, it's really reading books, um, on marketing, on social media, on education, where we're head, I'm headed into the education space more and, and collaboration space more. And so how do we, how do I do that? So I'm really back to kind of, that's the hero to zero and back again. I feel like from a learning standpoint, I'm back to zero and I want to hold on to that mindset for a while of it's about learning, learning, learning as we're implementing, as we're integrating, as we're starting to bring these new things online. Mm -hmm. You know, what you've described there sounds very much like a, you know, I know it came through the dark night of the soul that you've described, but it sounds mm -hmm. like an awakening, right? And so mm -hmm. here's yeah, what I'm really curious about. I'm really curious about, was there a moment in time? Was there a turning point? I mean, what was it that kind of shifted your, if I'm going to say belief set, I don't really want to put words in your mouth, but it feels like mm -hmm. your core beliefs about yourself in business as a leader completely kind of did a 180 
right at some point mm-hmm. during that that period I mean do you have a memory is there when you look back now and you kind of connect the dots is there something that stands out as a turning point in any way for you Matt? You know, it, it was a process. It was the closure of the gym. It was the almost, the, you know, the closure, the potential closure of our healthcare. We have a thousand, a thousand employees in our healthcare company. It was the almost, you know, closure of that healthcare company due to bankruptcy. I mean, which we didn't have to file that, thank God, but it was, there was very, we were in discussions about things like that. I mean, we were losing half a million to three quarters of a million dollars a month. And, and that for a small privately held business, that's a ton of cash. And so, you know, there were, so it was really that it was a process because I'm uh, hard headed. And so Mm -hmm. it began, it it actually began before COVID and then COVID just accelerated it. But it was kind of like this dance of bringing brought to the edge of the abyss only to be, only to be saved, uh, you know, saved financially or saved in the day. And then and then some relief and then brought back to the abyss. And then, and, and so it was almost like I, it, it became so much of a rhythmic pattern of everything's going to be okay. We're going to survive financially to, oh shit, we're not going to make payroll in five days um, back to, oh, everything's going to be okay back to the, so for me, it was, I I'm hardheaded enough that it had to be beat into me. I feel mm-hmm. envy for those people who have those struck by lightning moments. Cause mine was more like a dull hammer over a period of time. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and someday still is. Um, so. Yeah, but uh, let me just that, interrupt you yeah. because you, uh-huh. I feel like you're selling yourself short here. And I am speaking mm-hmm. from experience because this is the work mm-hmm. I do with a ton of leaders is mm-hmm. helping them awaken to kind of mm-hmm. reimagine business in a different way, a more holistic perspective of business mm-hmm. where it provides value for all stakeholders, you know, from clients right. to employees right the way through to shareholders so that it's a really different way of doing business than just the full profit you know, at any cost Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. kind of model. And and I can tell you there are a lot of people that are hard-headed, that dig their heels in. And it's almost Mm -hmm. like I see one of two reactions. I see either that, like, I'm going to contract in and uh, Mm -hmm. I am right and everybody else is wrong. And this is the only way. This is what got me my success in the first place. This is the only way to be. And therefore, I'm going to stick to my guns and carry on. Right. And those people don't do very well. And then there's people like what you're describing, your own process Mm of more openness, more of a learning mindset, more of a like a humility comes in and you start to look outside of you know the introspection that's been before, start to see there's other ways, but then this opening and it, you know, some authors talk about it um like being broken open. Yeah. But yep. it mm-hmm. has totally. to be that opening. You know, so mm-hmm. it's a testament to you, Matt, that you actually mm-hmm. chose the the secondary where you actually allowed it to break you open and to Mm -hmm. kind of reconfigure, recalibrate in a way, not only who you were being, but who you were becoming. And Mm -hmm. I would say your purpose in the world, the purpose of your business. Yes. Okay. Well, since you asked the question, Jane, we will go there. (laughs) Um, There was a, So yes, I got to the point where my marriage wasn't working because my financial stuff wasn't working because I was lost and dysfunctional in in my own. I wasn't drinking and I wasn't 
doing drugs. Um, uh, but I was definitely avoiding life mm -hmm. and felt, felt very empty and dark inside. And this isn't like this was a decade ago. This was like two years ago, year and a half ago, um, or, or it probably lasted up till about a year ago or, or actually probably six months ago or so. But there was a point in there where, um, there was a daily decision being made whether or not I was going to weather the storm or not. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, I have kids. And so that played very heavily into that decision to not give up. Mm -hmm. Um, but there were, there were many days where, um, where I, if I had not had kids, I would not be doing this podcast today. Right. Um, I wouldn't be doing anything in this plane. Um, because it just, it was so empty and so disheartening to have everything that I believed to be true stripped away. Yeah. Everything I believed about myself became false. Everything. And when I say false, it appeared false. Yeah. Um, but everything, everything was just, so the, so the turning point for me was finally, you know, making one, having one or two people reach out to me. So, you know, one or two people reach out to me and kind of uh, explain to me that, you know, that this was part of the process and that this wasn't, it wasn't my life station, right? right? I wasn't going to be here forever. This was just a period of time. And so that gave me perspective. But for me, there, there, it really wasn't a choice. It was the only choice was, do I want to live or not? If, if I'm, if I'm going to choose to live, then I can't live the way I am because I'm choosing not to live that way any longer. Mm -hmm. And so, and that was, again, not a, there, like I said, there was that one night where that friend called and he gave me some words that he gave me perspective, even though I didn't even care to have perspective at that point, he gave me some words right. and, and those, those words were enough that I went, okay, well, he, he's. I could tell that he knows something I don't and he's able to share what he knows with me that I don't. And he's giving me a perspective that this isn't the rest of my life, which I think when we're at our low points mm -hmm. and sometimes our high points, we think, Oh, this is going to be forever like this. This is the best day of my life. And this is what every day is going to be like. This is always going to be sunshine and rainbows. And then there's the other side where, you know, there's meteors falling from the sky and everybody's running for their basements or bunkers or whatever. And it's like every day is going to be a day of hell. And, and neither of those things are true. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, for me, there, yeah, it wasn't a day. It was a period of time where I just had to make the choice if I wanted to be alive. And if I wanted to be alive, which I was choosing, if I wanted to be alive, then I had to stop doing the stuff that got me to not want to be alive anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. It was kind of like, it was kind of like, you know, if you hit yourself in the head with a kind of back the hammer, if I hit myself in the head with a hammer long enough, I have to make the choice. If I want to not feel pain, that type of pain, I got to stop hitting myself with the hammer. And that's, and that's kind of, I think what I did, I just, and, and for me kind of to, um, to me, there's the, the, in AA, I haven't been to a meeting. I'm, I'm not an alcoholic, but certainly there's, you know, we all have our addictions, whatever those may be to maybe fitness or you know, or whatever it is, it isn't, but you know, they, I, I did start to turn it over to something other than my, I turned it over to a higher power. I turned it over to God. I started literally through a, through studying scripture and through studying the Bible on a daily 
practice with a friend of mine who was kind of a mentor, but did that with me. I started turning stuff over to God. And the more I turned over the God, the lighter it felt and the lighter I got and the more purposeful it felt and the more purposeful it still feels. And now I'm to this point where I feel more alive and I feel more purposeful and I know I'm still coming back online. You know, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not standing at the top of the mountain looking out going, Whoa, this is where you can come. I'm Moses. Here's the 10 commandments. Thou shalt not be a shitty person. Right. It's more like I'm standing at the bottom of the mountain. I've already, but I'm past base camp, but I'm still standing at the bottom of the mountain. I'm like, okay, I got a long way to go to the top, but at least I can see the top. At least I know that there's something up there and I still want whatever's up there. Um, Meaning I want to know more. That's the knowledge is at the top, but the only way for me to get the knowledge is to learn each and every day through the steps that I take along this path to get to the the top. And then once I get to the top, guess what? There's going to be another mountain, but that's okay too. (laughs) Yeah. So it sounds like an awful lot has changed for you in these, what, two short years. Um, And so I'd love to know, like, what's alive for you now? I mean, when you look out from your, well, you know, not quite a base camp, but a little bit up, but you can see the top <laughs> of the mountain. I mean, what is it that's uh-huh. here right now? What is alive? What makes you get out of bed in the morning? Like, what is that? What ignites your soul, Matt? And, and I think part of that's still coming online because I was so, I felt so uh, beat up to some degree that now it's like, is it safe to feel good? Is it safe to feel alive? Is it safe to allow myself to feel joy? Is it a safe to feel good about being Matt again? Right. Is it safe to put that on? And, and it is each, each day it becomes, uh, as I'm in now allowing myself to be in communication with people and around people and in groups of people, I'm that's starting to fire up some of the, the passion and the purpose and, and for me, um, I heard my mentor, uh, my mentor friend that I, I meet with, it's an older gentleman. And, and, uh, he said, I am, I am yet a, a beggar begging for crumbs. And I just tell other people where I found the, the bread. And, and for me, that's the, what it feels like to some degree. It's like, I see so many people in turmoil. Um, and I see so many people in, in quiet desperation for the life that they want to live. And I am that. I'm not saying that I'm not that, but I, I want to basically say, hey, let's all link arms and let's let's go up this mountain together. Because if I get to the top and I'm by myself, it's still empty, right? I'm still alone. And I'm like, hey, let's all link arms. And I And I see that people don't know exactly because I didn't know exactly. And I'm still walking this, but, you know, people don't exactly know how to in this post- world, this post-apocalyptic world, <laughs> how to quite come back together in community with transparency, with vulnerability, mm-hmm. and see that that's actually a great strength. Because I always thought it was a weakness until it happened to me, right? I always thought being vulnerable was a weakness. And now I'm being, you know, I can be, you, you, I think you were saying something about transparent or vulnerable early in the show. And to me, it doesn't feel transparent or vulnerable at all. It just is, that's what happened. It's just the story. It's it's this is unless I'm going to lie to you, that's what happened to me, right? And I'm not going to lie to you because I don't have any stock in lying. I don't. There's no, there's no win for me to lie, right? There's nothing. Right. I'm not puffing one way or another. Um. So so that's what wakes me up. That's what I think about. That's what is driving me is more of this sense of how can I help contribute to the reconnection of humanity with itself. 
right? How do I, how do I connect with it and how do I engage with others under whatever guys, if we want to call it business, great. I know about that. If we want to call it real estate, great. I know some stuff about that. If we want to call it even psychedelics, which some people are having conversations <laughs> with me about psychedelic businesses, because it's legal in a couple states now, um, then I'm like, you know what? I'm on board with that, right? If, if, if we can help alleviate human suffering, if we can help alleviate human suffering on a very personal level, I am on board. And so that's, that's what I wake up to every day. I love that. I really do. And, you know, it just really warms my heart hearing you talk in that way, because I believe and we believe at Sacred Changemakers that these are the conversations we need to be having as leaders. We need to be bringing this kind of more collaborative energy into business and realizing mm. that business is probably the biggest lever for change we have, but is also probably right. the biggest vehicle for our transformation as humans. Totally. So let me ask you, I mean, when you kind of look out into the world today, Matt, you know, kind of mm -hmm. how would you describe your vision for a better world? Because that's kind of been the underlying assumption of what you've spoken about. Yes. So I just wonder, what is that vision for you? What's the world you long for, as Charles Eisenstein says? Yes. <laughs> yeah. See, see, this is good that you quote these philosophers and, and you know, <laughs> these big, big, big brains. Mine's still just a little brain, but the, um, but the, you know, the, I grew up in a small town and in that small town, there's 800 people and we never, uh, we literally, and I know this is, you know, you know, everybody says it, but this is literally the truth. Nobody took their keys out of the car. Nobody locked their car. Windows were left down. Um, nobody stole anything. There was no crime. You know, we, we did lock our doors at night because we lived way out in the country. Um, but during the day, we never locked the door, right? Um, and it was just, a, a, and you felt this sense of community and you felt this sense of belonging. And how do we um, how do we do that without you having to live in a small town, right? How do we create this sense of belonging? How do we create this sense of community? So for me, you know, I still have two small children, but even just if, even if I didn't, the thing that I would look out and I want to create, it's not even that I want to see, it's what I'm committed to creating is more and more community um, around people who want to engage with each other and discover and learn what their true potential is, what their true purpose is, and what their connection is with the greater power. Right? And so for me, how do we do that more and more is we just do it. We just start doing it. We do the things you're doing you know, with your organization where we start connecting people um, of like mind and like, yeah. you know, like, like mind, like soul, soul like, like heart or like spirit. Um, we do it through these things, right? This is how we do it. We are doing it. And, and I, as we grow, I'm seeing more and more organizations do this um, for profit and not for profit. So I, I think that this is going to be a continuing thing where value is going to be seen as the, the amount of transformation, the amount of impact, the amount of uh, experience and richness that you can bring to a life is where you'll start to value things with your money, with your time, with your, right? You, it, it's not a, a transactional thing where I have to work to get, you know, to pay my car payment or to pay my mortgage. You know, I, we all have bills to pay. It doesn't matter what level of the game we're at. We all have bills to pay. But more, what do I want to do with my time that adds value to others in a real purposeful way? Because then I have a, now I have a relationship, right? And that's not always, we, and we know, you know, I'm, I'm married. Uh, 
I have kids, I have friends. It's not always, it's never easy and it's never spick and span clean. And it's never, you know, that that's where the growth is. The growth is in the, oh yeah, I screwed up again today. So how am I going to navigate this? Right. So, so it's not always, I'm not kumbayaing and we're not all smoking weed and standing around a fire pit. And I mean, I would love, I would love that as part of the experience of life. Right. I'm not opposed to taking a hit if there's other people doing it and we're in in a state that allows that um, (laughs) mental state or whatever, but, um, but you know, I I'm all about the kumbaya, but it's more of how do we live in community with the, with the conflict also, how do we, how do we, and when conflict hopefully it gets to a point where it's not even conflict, it's just diversity of ideas and diversity of thought and diversity of culture. I may believe this and you may believe that. I may be Christian and you may be Hindu or you may be Muslim, but we can live together in the same neighborhood. Our kids can play together. We can we can even have prayer times together. We can have meal times together. We can live our lives. It doesn't mean that my view of God and your view of God have to match. It doesn't mean that my view of business and your view of business have to match. It's where's our heart and are we centered on serving others? Or are we centered on serving our families and a higher power? I love that. So how do you feel about the challenges that the world is facing right now? Because what you've just described to me there, you know, feels like a really noble cause for you to hold. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the other side of me, like there's another side to the coin, which is Mm -hmm. not everyone has that privilege in a way, right? The dark side. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So the dark side, you know, in the world that we live in today, there is so much like, exclusion I guess or lack of access to things like education or I mean goodness mm-hmm. I was reading a report this morning about how migrations already started because of climate change and the lack of water in in certain mm-hmm. countries and places of the world and mm-hmm. so it's almost like the future is already here and I don't know who it was who said but it's not widely distributed yet <laughs> um and right. so so I mean how like, how do you feel about the challenges that the world is facing right now? Because part of me wishes it were as simple as what you're suggesting. And um, mm-hmm. part of me sure. thinks, well, we've got some real challenges ahead to, to kind of really start to make your, your vision of this world come true. And they're complex challenges, you know. What's mm-hmm. your sense of that? My sense is I'll spend the rest of my life solving for this this, right. uh, this, this thing. And, 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 and I'm not, you know, I've got to make a conscious effort every day, not to wait for an outcome to experience that, which I want. Right. So if I want joy and I want love and I want peace, I can do that today. Right. I don't have to wait until I get the golden chalice and drink <laughs> from it and fall at the, you know, my chosen deity's feet and, and have, you know, have them bless me and tell me that I'm the golden child. I don't have to wait. Right. And that's, and that's something I wasn't really good at before. And I'm still learning is if if I can find joy, if I can find peace, I can do those in small moments. I can do those through the laughter of my three-year-old daughter. I can do those through the enjoyment of some favorite food or beverage, or I can, I can, I can find more and more, the more I release the need to control the more joy I can experience in any one moment. And so I would say that my measure of joy is directly tied to my level of the need to control. And so um, I think that there's, I think there's plenty of work and I to do. And I think there's, I think there's plenty of 
areas of darkness, I would call it, that we have to bring to the light. And I will also say that there's enough light on this planet to bring that darkness into the light. And that may take us a thousand years. That may take us 10,000 years. It's not a race. It's just what am I as an individual person going to do each and every day? Is that opening a door or is it going on a mission trip to another country or donating to a cause? I think all, I think wherever your heart naturally flowers, wherever your heart is naturally called, when you are in that heart space centered, and, and I still go a lot between my head and my heart. And I think my head's still winning a little bit, but we're trying to get the percentages up and the heart space. But the, the, you know, I, I did study in India with monks, Hindu monks. Um, and, you know, they would say, go home and just take care of your family, right? Go home and take care of your family because that's where it happens first. If I'm out every day trying to save the world and my kids don't have a dad, mm -hmm. then guess what? I've made the world a worse place. I don't care how much, how much benefit I gave out there. If I leave my two kids with trauma from their dad not being present and not loving them, then I've lost, right? I have, I have sinned against humanity and I have lost. I don't care how many other people I saved and how much water I brought to the refugees that, you know, my lineage and my family, that's the most important thing. Right. And then from there, you know, through that, it's kind of like my cup runneth over from there, from filling up with love, with joy, with grace that naturally flowers into, I want to help others. I want to help the world. I want to help. I do want to go on a mission trip. I do want to sponsor an orphanage in another country. I do want to go take care of some homeless issues in my own hometown. So right now where I'm at, I'm a big advocate for obviously taking care of your nest first before you fly away to try to take care of something, somebody else's nest. Um, but, but as you become more and more, as I become more and more comfortable with my nest is being loved and taken care of, then naturally I want to say, Hey, are there others that can, I can invite into this love bubble. Um, and so for me personally, that's where I'm at. It's, it's my, my home, my family, my community. And, and soon my community is more of a digital community that'll exist. You know, it exists in the world. Like with you, we, you know, I'm com in community with you. We, you know, we're starting to have a friendship here. And so now my, you're, you're, we're in community, even though we have never been to dinner and we've never been face to face. And, and I think through time, we will go to dinner. You know, we will find ways to bring more of us change makers that are of like mind will want to naturally be in the same place at the same right. time physically. So we can give hugs and high fives and we can cry together and we can laugh together because that's so beautiful. And, and, and that's the human experience. But, you know, I, I'm not um, saving the world is is. God's job and me being a good human being and, and loving on the people around me is my job. That's the way I feel. I love that. So elegantly stated, Matt, and so profound. And I really hope that our listeners have heard you speak to that. Because one of the questions we get a lot at Sacred Changemakers is, well, I've got like a purpose, but I'd, like, I'm not one of these huge people that's going to change mm. the world and do everything. And then they think that that's somehow that's shameful. It's not worthy enough. It's not good enough just to do what you just stated. And it absolutely is to me. This is a grassroots movement. And the way that we're going to do this is just one person, one conversation, one shift of beliefs internally at a time. So, you know, I have loved our conversation today, but there's one thing that's really uh -oh. like kind of coming at uh -oh. me and it's this. Uh-oh. 
if Uh-oh. I were to say to you that, you know, I have a belief. I was feeling like, oh, good. She's wrapping up. Okay. Yeah, we're nearly. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> so this belief that I have that's currently evolving at the moment yes. for me, and it feels very alive in some of what you said, is that, you know, business is the territory for your soul's awakening and your soul's mm-hmm. expansion. Like mm-hmm. in what, not particularly in what ways have you experienced this, but what would you say to that? Because it sounds very much like that's exactly what it's done for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, totally. And and there was realization and awareness along that path, especially with the gym. Um, there was something that I knew that that thing was transforming me spiritually and personally, even though it wasn't pleasant and even though it wasn't mm-hmm. going... It, as I saw that what was going to happen, that eventually it was going to fail. And even before that, I knew that there was a dance being had through this business, right? right? And and I was dancing with it. And anytime I had fears, it would come up in that business. And so, yeah, definitely, I think if you want personal transformation, if you want spiritual transformation, go into business for yourself because there is no better, faster, <laughs> more sticky. You want to talk about highs, lows, ups, downs, Um, there is nothing more scary, joyful, uh, adrenaline rush, uh, crash into walls and break your face (laughs) than business. You make it sound so attractive, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did say joyful. I threw joyful in there. You'll, you'll, the high highs and low lows, but, you know, but also, you know, I think that helps us then truly stand in our own light and realize that business is always going to ebb and flow. It's mm-hmm. what am I doing in that space? Absolutely. So I will wrap it up now. So here's my okay. final question. Right. So, Oh I... shoot. You squeeze in one more. Yeah. Just one final question. Are you ready? All right. Here Cause it's go. a doozy, yes. my friend. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Are you ready? Finally. Yes. If there's something you'd hoped we'd get to today, something you might want to share with our listeners, it might be something that we've not covered or not got to, or Mm -hmm. it might just be some final words of wisdom you want to leave our audience with. What might it be? No matter where what you're doing, no matter who you are, there is somebody that looks up to you and there's somebody that admires what you've done, good or bad, but there's somebody there that you can have a positive effect on, even if it's one person. And that is, I think, the most important thing to hang on to and to remember and to and to really do is it's not for it's it's not about Uh, changing a whole organization. It's what am I doing to impact that one person's life? And if I can impact that one person's life, then guess what? My life's impacted. You know, when you're feeling, if you're feeling really bad, if you're feeling really crappy about yourself, go volunteer, go, go, go do something nice for somebody else. And guess what? You're going to be the beneficiary of that interaction. No matter how good they feel, you're going to feel a sense of connectedness, which is typically where we feel our worst is when we feel most alone. Mm -hmm. And so just reconnecting in a way where you're serving others, especially others that can't really or don't have the capacity to serve you. I mean, so um, if nothing else, it's not about transforming the world happens one relationship and one conversation at a time. Thank you. Matt, 
I have so enjoyed our conversation as ever today. So thank you so much for stopping by the podcast. I know our listeners will have learned so much from you. So many insights, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. I feel so honored and thank you for allowing me to talk. I, like I said, I'm usually the host and usually asking all the questions and I felt like today I just rambled on. So I hope that the <laughs> rambling was a benefit. I sincerely think it was. So thank you. Okay, guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Now, before we go, I want to remind you that all of the resources and the links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And a big thank you to the members of the Soul Business Academy. These are our podcast sponsors and our extended community who are helping us make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're looking for more soul in your life and business, if you have a sense that you have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or just simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. But for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.